Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. This is the Cannamom Show with Joyce and Amy, a podcast where we are sharing the inspiring stories of the real women in the emerging cannabis industry. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, political activist, lawyer, and I've been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, and along with my canna sister, mom, realtor, cancer survivor, Amy Searles, we are on a mission to empower women-centered cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. So go make a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint and come learn something new about this magical plant on the Cannamom Show with Joyce and Amy. Uh, welcome. Welcome to actually a special edition of the Cannamom Show. Amy cannot be with us today, but we do have Dave and our special guest, Valencia, who will, um, this show is actually coming out on her birthday. So I just want to be the first to wish you happy birthday before we kind of dig in. So Dave, uh, what's going on out there in podcast land? Uh, still doing lots of podcasts all remotely. Yeah. <laughs> Although no, I am- st- they're staying with you. They're staying with you. They're still podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, everybody that was podcasting before the pandemic for the most part is doing it. Maybe not with the same frequency, but then there are some new people that have come forward and say they want shows. It's a good opportunity to do it while you get some downtime. So that's all good. Excellent. Yes. And mm. we've gone, we've gone through the whole pandemic through everything. We have not getting up a week, given up a week. So, um, and things are good here. I started playing tennis again. I talk about that endlessly. I played um, outside today. It was, uh, it was joyful. There were birds and I saw my friends. We couldn't touch or get too close. <laughs> There's a lot of hand sanitizers going on. You have to get off the court very quickly before the next group comes on, but 
it was still awesome. So that's how I started my day. And now I get to talk to an amazing woman out in California. So please welcome. Um, so let me give a quick intro and then we're going to talk. Today's guest. Today's guest is a highly successful and accomplished professional in Carmel, California. She began her career in commercial real estate industry, where she served businesses throughout the Central Valley for over 25 years. But she joins us today as the founder of Synchronicity Holistic, a state-of-the-art cannabis wellness center dedicated to patient care for both adult use and medical use. Her personal cannabis journey began in 1989 after suffering from symptoms that her doctors had first thought could be a brain tumor, but turned out to be multiple sclerosis. And this diagnosis forever changed her life. It was a devastating moment for a mother and career professional, but she refused to be a victim of a disabling disease and began to learn as much as she could about MS. From treatments to protocols, from traditional Western medicine to Chinese herbal medicines, Eastern philosophies, as well as mind and body practices, and as a result of her studies, she became a self-taught expert and holistic health advocate. Her efforts were focused on ways to minimize MS symptoms. And although she had learned a great deal about traditional Eastern and Western medical treatments, she described her experience with medical cannabis as nothing short of remarkable. The results were significant. She had less pain. Her inflammation was manageable. She slept. But most excitingly, her mobility was significantly improved. Today's guest's success has always come by helping others, and she has been focused on changing the public perception of medical cannabis. She has also spent a lifetime giving back and has become synonymous with philanthropy in the Monterey Peninsula. And when she isn't saving the world or running her businesses, she is enjoying life with her children and granddaughters. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Valencia Valentine of Synchronicity Holistic. Welcome to the show. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So um, I know you have a business out there. Why don't we kind of talk about sort of your, your, your learning path about cannabis? How did you get, you know, because a lot of people my age, older, this is something that they're going to have to go through. What did you do? How did you find the information you needed? And how did you get to the point where you, I really understood this plant and became so passionate about it? In 2010, Stanford Hospital, I had actually had an appointment because I had four broken ribs and a torn rotator cuff. And I had in, just unbearable pain. And I was bedridden. I had a 13 and then 15-year-old. And when Stanford sent me to Santa Cruz to actually meet with a cannabis recommendation doctor that could actually fill out a directive for me, I sat down and cried and said, I have seven children. My brother in the 70s used medicinal cannabis. He was subjected to a lot of police brutality because of it. Um, and I can remember them beating him with brass knuckles. And poor baby was only 17. I look at my son, who is ADHD and very sensitive. And I can't even imagine him encountering the police, let alone being beaten. Oh. Well, it became his drug of choice, and my brother Eddie continued on a path that went to quaaludes and acid, eventually heroin. And um, he was a methadone patient for 17 years. It's a way that in California we registered heroin addicts. And I can still remember him crying when he was 13. And now I understand my mom. One time I caught my mom buying it for him. 
Mm. And I remember saying, Mom, how could you not give him the mirror that he can make it in his life without using cannabis? She said, because he's better. He's happier. He doesn't cry as much. And it's better better than the other stuff. And I mm-hmm. said, what other stuff? And that's when we found out as teenagers that our brother used heroin. And so as heartbreaking as it was, I look back now and know that my brother was had anxiety and depression. Right. And we found somewhere in high school how to self-medicate. Which many people do without understanding what it's doing to their bodies and and having that weird, it's literally a a mind-body disconnect because we're being told one thing, you know, how dangerous it is. And on the other, you're feeling okay inside. So that's that's a very dramatic story. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was how you kind of understand cannabis. But how do you kind of understand cannabis and how it was going to work for your own body after your own diagnosis when you were going through sort of traditional and then you went to more West Eastern philosophies and then came to cannabis? Yes, yeah, so during my journey into Santa Cruz and meeting with uh, the cannabis doctors in the Santa Cruz area, I went to a lot of cannabis dispensaries. Mm-hmm. And I explained that I caught all seven of my teenagers smoking pot And I actually had three that I sent to treatment because of my fear of my brother that it was a gateway drug. And a very, I was very strict parent. I remember taking the three foot tall cannabis glass bong and smashing it. When I found my daughter between, uh, maybe it was her senior year, saying, I'm not going to have you ruin your life like my brother did. Well, you had had a big change of heart. I mean, that's a very interesting switch. Okay, keep going. (laughs) When all all the kids come home from college and they hang out at our house, they say, you are such a different person. You're a miracle. Look at the way you can walk now. You're no longer bedridden. And now you've become an activist for it. It was so life-changing for me that I was able to get out of bed. I was able to get out of a wheelchair. I soon learned how to re-walk through um, uh, putting a treadmill treadmill, excuse me, in my pool and uh, started building up the muscle mass so I could actually gain some mobility and increase my gait speed. Did you so say you tre- did you say treadmill in your pool? <laughs> yes. Is there water in the pool while the treadmill's in the pool? Yes, it is, but it helped build the resistance. Oh, interesting. Okay. It helped accelerate uh, the actual definition of my muscles so I could actually continue walking. I mean, that's how I started, one step at a time with one mile per hour. Now I can do 30 minutes in the pool at 2.2 miles per hour. So it's such a huge accomplishment only because first of all, it mitigated the pain. So I wanted to get out of bed. It helped mitigate the depression. So I wanted to get out of bed. Right. It helped take care of the, um, the inflammation. So I didn't have pain all night long or the spasticity, which made my body actually um, contract where I couldn't bend my knees or my fingers. And those are muscle spasticity that I would have 10 or 15 times during the day, especially when I laid on my back. But when I used cannabis, the spasticity went away. So can you talk about, so this is, people don't believe this is true. So can you just talk a little bit about what traditional medications you were using? I know some of the MS things. And then, and I actually, I've, I've had friends with MS who I did not know were hiding their use of cannabis from me until I started talking about this. So it's pretty it's a very um, important medication for MS. So can you talk a little bit about the medications you were taking and how cannabis really, the impact on your body, how different it was? Absolutely. Okay. I had been taking Abinex oh, probably on a, a weekly basis for probably 10 years. 
And I loved that medication. And then as the education and the knowledge of clinical trials beginning to, to progress, I went on to infusions, monthly infusions with Stanford that actually were interviewing us that you'd spend three hours and the side effects were horrible. Um, there was always that headache of vomiting and sleeping for a couple of days. I was able to go off all of that medication, all of the Baclofen, which is like a muscle relaxer, all the Celebrex, which helped with nerve pain. And I just started dropping medication after medication over the years, starting on 2010. And then what, and, well, how were your doctors? So I know this is an issue. Some doctors will believe, some doctors don't. How were your doctors working with you? Did you have a doctor who, or a medical profession who said this is okay? Uh, that's also a big issue for people when they want to, well, it's a little bit different now, but it, that, at your time, it was very unusual. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, Stanford had a case manager who told me with my four broken ribs and torn radar, torn rotator cuff, I lost eight pounds in one week. And I said, I just don't think I want my children to see me like this. Maybe it's the end of my life. Mm. And she said, get a grip. We're going to send you to Santa Cruz. And I said, I can't do that. Uh, my brother, I've got kids. And she said, they have M&Ms. They have all different delivery systems. And you need to go learn about it. Mm-hmm. And so I proceeded on a journey over a four-year period to find someone that could educate me, create a directive based on what should I take, because there's, it's like walking into a spa show. Which one do I do and which one works? Because exactly. it, was expensive. Mm-hmm. it was expensive. And so the doctor in Santa Cruz helped write the, the uh, recommendations called the doctor's recommendation. And she sent me not only to Santa Cruz, but I went to San Jose. I went to Seattle. I went to Colorado. I went to Portland, Oregon, and I eventually wound up in Israel. And in Israel, (laughs) Israel, of course, it was very different. In California, if you go to a hemp fest, my daughter said they all were giggling because they all smoked pot in college. Mom, if you go to a hemp fest, you better bring your inhaler because I'm severely asthmatic. And she said, because there's going to be smoke. Right. What I did find in the industry is I met the nicest people I'd ever met. Now, doing commercial real estate, being one woman, 60 men. That wasn't something that I experienced in the business world. Oh, no. I was a divorce no. attorney. Dave was a lawyer. People right. are nasty. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you understand. <laughs> so I was so grateful to meet people that could give me directive on what I should be using. And I started experimenting with different products. I remember the first year I spent $5,000 on products that I couldn't even ingest. It tasted horrible. It smelled horrible. Or if I did ingest it, I would be stoned for two days or sleep for three days. And when So there's like edibles or inhalers or what were you trying out or tinctures or what were you trying? It started with edibles because in California, okay. that's pretty much all we had. And were there, are, there, um, are there milligram limits? How does it work in California? I know in Massachusetts, there are all sorts of limits on how much can go into each. Well, that's a great question. Yeah. When I went to, and may I back, backtrack? Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. When I, when I went to Israel, it was so different because in California, you go to these uh, conventions and you look at all the different products and you meet all the people and everybody was really nice. But I remember thinking, they look like my brother. They're a little down on their, black, their luck. And I remember saying the first day, shame on you. You physically walk with a walker. And it's evident that you're in physical pain. We don't know one's emotional pain. 
and why they're standing in line for hours to spend $8 on a cookie to help eliminate that pain. And it was a real aha moment for me in 2010. Interesting. Yes. And so when I went to Israel and I met the Department of Science and um, Ministry and... And for people who just don't know, can you just talk a little bit about how it works in Israel, how it's just very different? (laughs) Well, it is. You're talking about ministerial levels of government working in this, so yeah. Yes, and and it is medicine, and it has been in clinical trials for over 20 years. So when I started doing all my investigation, the only reports I could find were out of Israel and Spain, where they Mm -hmm. had used it successfully. It hadn't been really legalized yet, but it had been for medically. And the remark, the, the, the actual results were so remarkable that I um, got more excited and thought I have to be able to give this back because I have been in a position financially to be able to help raise money for most of our local nonprofits. I raised over $15 million just for Make-A-Wish alone. I thought, and interesting Writing those checks, I have to share with you, nobody would take it from my business. They would only take it from me personally because they couldn't be associated receiving actual nonprofit funds from something that was illegal. Oh, interesting. Joyce, you, Joyce, you yeah. know that, that struggle, although you struggle with the b- banks. I, t- I talk, I talk yeah. about banking endlessly. It's just, I, I find it so absurd, and especially in America where you know making money used to be our thing and, and you, how complicated it is. And, and yours I've was had legal, right? Yours, your efforts yeah, yeah. were legal, right? I'm just, I, I, banking is it's, it's a big issue in this industry. And the idea that we want to do good, this, we want to set up this I guess, as a women's industry. We want to set it up as a caring, giving industry, which you are right. an exemplary of simplifying that it's 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 hard it's they make it hard so we do want to do good but sometimes we have to go around the rules right now so well and i think that the rules are getting more clear i think the product is getting better and better i think as our compliancy unfortunately unlike california massachusetts has rolled out and you've had regulation in place california was medically accepted because of prop 215 and the Compassionate Care Act of 1996, which started in Oakland for the AIDS patients. Right. And so it was great work what they've done. However, without regulation, our illicit market has continued to grow and grow. So now we have, as Californians, rolled out in the legal adult use market. However, we're not making the money because our illicit market has been making millions, saying we're not going to change what we're doing. Right. Because you've made it too expensive for us to get licensed. It is very, it's very, and, and we talk about this also, how expensive it is. I mean, again, Massachusetts is a little bit different. All these states are rolling it out in a different way. The issues in Massachusetts, again, it's a 280E. It's the same business issues. It's the same issues with the host agreements where people are basically extorting them to come into their towns. I mean, we have other issues out mm-hmm. here, but I understand California, it's, it's, it's very hard to break the illicit market at this point. But there are people like you who are setting it up in a way that is making it accessible to women like me. So, <laughs> that, and you and you had your own journey, which is interesting, and you're giving back. So that's where you are right now. Well, thank you. Yeah. I know that my senior, my baby, so my eldest just turned 47. Mm-hmm. My baby just turned 24. He's my only son. And when he got accepted into UCLA and NYU and all the colleges, I was worried when I caught him smoking pot his senior year that he might be self-medicating. What I haven't shared with you is that I helped raise seven children. I had three stepchildren, and I buried one to the precious, precious, precious age of 19. 
And uh, we caught him smoking pot. We thought it was a gateway drug. We sent him to treatment. And when he came home, he couldn't handle not having any cannabis. And he committed suicide, honey, in our home three months oh. after coming home, coming home at 19. That's and so people often call me and ask me, what are my feelings about kids under the age of 21 using cannabis because of the frontal lobe Very and things we've learned? And what I can share with you, being one of those hands-on second moms at the age of you know, 42, having my last child, we didn't know about ADHD. We didn't really know about depression. I just knew I'm going to do things to boost their neurotransmitters. I'm going to give mm-hmm. them 5-HTP to help produce more serotonin so they can sleep and relax. Mm-hmm. There were lots mm-hmm. of things that they could do with exercise to increase right. the dopamine receptors. So when I started doing all of the work on vitamin supplements, then I thought this was an avenue that I could perhaps learn from my kids. Mm -hmm. So my son said to me, when I said, I'm just worried that you're self-medicating for depression, he said to me, and this was pretty profound, you're a mom of a son. How old did you say your son is? 21. 21. And my son said this to me at the age of 18. Mom, do you think that all the guys in the dot-com that have Facebook, PayPal, Snapchat, do you think that they were drinking a beer in the garage? Mom, they were smoking pot expanding <laughs> even Steve Jobs. And so we look back now in history of how this was based in racism, started back in 1937. John Hurst wanted to make sure that paper was going to continue to excel, yep. get rid of hemp. They created yep. that expensive documentary stamp. Yep. So <laughs> grow it anymore. And I had to fly to Colorado for the first time in 70 years to see the power of this plant. I have to I have yep. to introduce myself to this plant and learn more about it. So I actually have and another question for you, but because you've had such a ridiculously complicated relationship with this and your children, what, how, I mean, we haven't gotten to where you've shifted completely, but what was your family's reaction to this? How did people take this? Well, <laughs> the, the younger children, the younger, my 20 year olds, yeah, so proud of me. And they said, you know, mom, it took me almost a decade. I started in 2010. I opened up my dispensary, the first medical wellness dispensary with the, with the actual pharmacist. I have nurses and we're all patient educators. Most of us have come from not in the industry. I only have one young woman who is my manager who spent 10 years in the industry and she had the first illegal Mm -hmm. which became legal medical dispensary in Monterey. And so that was exciting. We hired her and she's a plethora of knowledge. She handles the recreational market, the nurses and the doctors and I are learning from her and she's learning from us on how to create a directive for our patients, whether it be pain, sleep. um, Oh my gosh. Five years ago when people came to me and I actually had in 2014 my first nonprofit with the state of California, I could do in-home consultation or people would come to my home in Pebble Beach and I would work with them. And the very first reason why people came to me was for pain. Number Mm -hmm. two was sleep and number three was anxiety. Today, anxiety is number one. You've got a lot of anxiety. You're not sleeping very much. And that, of course, magnifies the pain. So pain is worse. Pain is. So I have a... uh, So you... So the holistic center is very different. I, I just, I'm impressed by your medical um, attention to it because that's one of the big issues I talk about, dosing. How do you know what you're taking? You're, you know, basically, it's your Starbucks barista are these bud tenders who are sort of giving you information, and it's 
we do have more green nurses and green doctors out here. So how did this idea come to you and how did you convince people? How did you bring people in with your vision? How did you convince people? When I started in 2010, I tried to do the first dispensary in Monterey, the city of Monterey. And I hired an attorney who I knew socially. And a lot of people said, what are you doing? What are you doing with this woman? Why would you take your <laughs> reputation with this woman and even come to us to suggest that we should create an ordinance surrounding medicinal cannabis? And he said, she's different. She's not using it getting high. This woman has had a standing in our community for so many years and has been giving back. And now she's trying to educate us because of her experience. She wanted to give back and help other patients. And for me, I was a senior's market. And so I thought it's me, my age and older, that really need the help. And so that's how I started. I was declined in 2010. I went back out in 2014. During this time, the media was following me. I was on the 11 o'clock news. People, phones started ringing. People started asking me, how could I help them? They had had a bad experience. So people started tracking me down and following me. We didn't have podcasts then. Mm. We didn't have, we didn't have that kind of information. We didn't, I wasn't even on the internet. Um, I'm still not tech savvy, as you could see today, zooming in on time. (laughs) You did good. I apologize. (laughs) But what I know is that people started coming to me at cocktail parties, sashaying over to me saying, women, not the men, the men would be over on the other side. And the women would say to me, how do I know what to do? Why? How did you know? And I said, let me give you an example. I can be on the phone and I can be calling AT&T and I have now been transferred to the fourth customer service representative to give me information on what I should do with my problem. And about that time, I'm ready to go down somebody's throat because I'm not, I have horrible anxiety. I'm not real patient and I may even look passive aggressive, but it's kind of like a mom. Righteous indignation is literally my favorite emotion. So yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's like a child. You can ask three or four times and our voice gets louder and louder and louder. Like they can't hear us, but they can, but we start feeling our anxiety. And when I start feeling out of control, I start controlling all my children around me. I line them up like ducks. And what <laughs> no. I I do, and when I found that I could hit my vape pen, I could deal and manage my anxiety to talk with them calmly to explain to now the fifth person of why I was calling. Mm-hmm. I found that my time, and it was it was limited with the kids. As they were growing up, I was eating a cookie or a sucker two or three times a week. And so they never saw me under the influence, per se, until I went out and tried to buy something instead of going to somebody in Santa Cruz. I had to drive an hour. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of friends that had MS that were in wheelchairs that were taking buses. That It just became so um, difficult in terms of finding what we called safe access in California. We had no access in our community unless it was the illicit market. And um, that's what a lot of my friends were doing. Because I had kids and I was role modeling, there was no way I was going to buy anything on the street. And it's interesting, having been on cannabis since 2010, I've never smoked a joint. I pride myself on that. My (laughs) delivery, my delivery, and I sure don't, but I'm asthmatic. And I just don't want to go there. Because sometimes when I hit the fate pan, I know it's not right because I start coughing. And I'm like, good Lord. I look at my kids and go, how do you do this? They say, Mom, you have angel lungs. (laughs) You have a two-second pool. We have a 10-second pool because we're used to using cannabis. Now, so many kids have come to me and said, do you know how cool it is that 
your kids know that you know that they smoke pot. It changes the relationship. Don't you think it changes the relationship? And, and yes, not disrespectfully, <laughs> yeah. because my children saw me get out of bed. They mm-hmm. saw me start walking. They saw, because when you have MS, you have maybe an overstimulated uh, nervous system. They saw me more effective. They saw me more articulate. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's listening who has MS, we have a hard time sometimes with word retrieval. Words would just blow. Was I high? Never. I microdose tinctures under my tongue. Mm-hmm. I do it every three and a half to four hours. I use a one-to-one mm-hmm. tincture. Seems, and if- that seems to be very effective for people. That seems to be, I hear it over and over. I actually have a question about tinctures. So I don't mm-hmm. really like tinctures. I don't mm-hmm. like the way they taste, honestly. Mm-hmm. How did, how, what was your process for tincture? Getting used to it or... Oh, they were horrible. And yeah. it's, so darling, it's so darling that you mentioned that because <laughs> I can remember even three years ago, they used to say, put it in water and drink it. And I had cancer patients. The wives would come crying saying they won't drink it. And I said, I won't either. <laughs> the problem with it is then they didn't understand that if you dump something that's water soluble in your orange juice, honey, you're just going to have all of the cannabinoids stick to the interior of the glass. Mm. You're not even going to get, get any. Oh, wow. They're taking your money. So now the delivery is under the tongue. Hold it for 30 seconds. And in California, our tinctures have gotten better and better. It's not the majority of my um, business. It's probably 35% of it. We have a huge edible market. Mm -hmm. And the edibles have become, I mean, so fun. But in the name of health, if I'm working, honestly, if I'm working with somebody who is in a diseased state like myself or cancer or Parkinson's in the name of health, I don't give them candy. We give them capsules, right, which go through the digestive system. And if your delivery is either an edible or a capsule, it actually goes through the digestive system, passes through the liver, converts to Delta 11. It's a deeper high, but it's really great if you need six or eight hours sleep. A tincture works within 20 minutes to 30 minutes, however, only has uh, maybe 40, no, probably four hours in terms of the efficacy. If you inhale, it's instantaneous, but only lasts about an hour and a half. And so we teach everybody the different delivery methods. Sometimes they don't like it. We stand behind our product because I saw I spent 5000 one year and was able to use those products. And so um, now we've created a compassionate giving program. We're helping people who don't have money. And we're That's setting nice. up something with the manufacturers. And we both donate it for one penny because the state of California says I can't give it away. The okay. only thing they have to do is they're only required to get a medical uh, recommendation card from our public health department here in Monterey That's- County. So can you tell me, let's just talk a little bit about your um, synchronicity. Just Can you want to talk about the experience of it? You know, it's, it's a little bit out here in Massachusetts. Um, our dispensaries have uh, no doors, no labels. You have to go through security twice in order to get into the dispensary. It's not a very welcoming experience. <laughs> so let's talk. What's your legs? You know, ours started like that. And I remember yeah. when I took my 80-year-old mother um, for arthritis and she, they were wanding her and they were collecting our phones and our purses. And she said, but if it's legal, why are they doing this? And I said, mom, right now they've got rules in place and this is what we have to go through. I can proudly say I'm the only one in Monterey County Mm -hmm. 
that and Megan Stone from High Roads uh, Design designed. She started designing for me literally in 2014, and we didn't get open until 2019. I know she's doing some design in your area right now, but when you walk in, it's open, it's welcoming. We have a security guard in a suit who's got a little headpiece. He checks you in, and you walk through. There's no holding area. It's the waiting area, and everybody can walk through, and they can talk to somebody in the edibles area, talk to somebody in the concentrate area. Then there's the flower area, which the young girls handle, because I've never smoked a joint, so I don't, I'm not the best person to talk to, I'm embarrassed to say. Do you have a, how do you, I know in different dispensaries, they do it different ways. They sometimes have the menu printed, sometimes they have the menu um, digital. How are you, how do you, or on the screen, how do you actually access what's there available? We, and, are, well, and are people allowed to come in now? Are people coming? Oh, yes. Just, oh, yeah, they okay. come in and you can have, we have uh, four patient educators behind the concentrate area. So I have 4,000 square feet. The build out, um, let's see, in Health Matters, I just had a publication that came out last month that talked about you felt like you were walking into Cartier or Tiffany's of cannabis. And so we're very proud. I wanted it to be as beautiful as my home and as welcoming as my home because the seniors market, we, we grew up with Nancy Reagan's just say no campaign. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom had that same cast iron frying pan with those (laughs) eggs frying. This is your brain on drugs. And the shame for all of us 16 over is huge. And the older we get, the worse it gets with our actual demographic that comes into the store. But we're black and white. We have gorgeous chandeliers. It's very light. Chandeliers. I love that. Oh my God. Lightly, yes. It's lightly <laughs> lit. So people can see, people can see in, people can see out. So we use the word that we're transparent in California. Okay. And we're, we want people to be curious enough to want to peek in. And until we were deemed essential in March during the COVID, We have people now that have come in that are over 70, and that's the only thing that was open, wanted to find out why we were an essential business. Mm -hmm. So we have people now, we have priests of churches that aren't sleeping that are coming in and saying, how can you help my pain or my sleep, Uh, women in anxiety, OCD, and so we're so proud, and people are so grateful to be able to have these resources to them. I take it. I take it. You're still doing. Sorry, Joyce. Uh, Valentina. No, I take. Go no, go ahead. Okay. You're still. You, I take it. You still do online, and I, I was looking at the wide collection of products that you have on your site. If someone wants information about what's best for them, is there a way for them to get in touch with you online and get the advice they need? Yes, we have a chat line on our website, is synchronicityholistic.com, and the girls are on that computer responding and, we and it's not a robot to, it's not a cannabis robot right because no i don't think they've made them yet <laughs> not yet not yet we have a, we have a warm friendly yep. nurse that actually will be chatting with you to respond to any questions that you have and any directives that you may need for your particular needs i like the chat when it comes to customer service they're usually it's it's mm-hmm. it's always nice to know that you're getting immediate attention so that's great and again, this is a this is a medicine, so it's so important to have, especially if you're taking um, a product that can be ingested differently. Obviously, it, you experience cannabis differently if you inhale it versus an edible versus a tincture. So you need to understand how that works with your body. You need to talk to a professional who understands how it works in your body to understand what you need. Because if you're used to smoking and you take an edible, I mean, I personally oh. don't really like edibles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't had... Um, it just wasn't my way of consuming. That's not how I started. And then I started trying edibles and I just haven't quite figured it out. I've been invited to some events 
Um, I have a lot of cannabis chefs out here now who have talked a lot about about you have to know exactly how many milligrams you're in. You know, you need to understand what the process is of what you're taking in because if you're just eating and eating and eating, it could be a bad experience. Yeah, when it goes south, it can go <laughs> south pretty quickly. I've experienced that. Doctor <laughs> Doctor Mishulam spoke in um, Los Angeles at a uh, oh, awesome. conference at UCLA last year, mm-hmm. and what he said is. 20 milligrams of CBD a day will give you brain protection, neurological uh, support, so you won't get dementia. If you have Alzheimer's, it will eat the Alzheimer's plaque. And um, what we see is it's just so amazing for anxiety and um, and pain. It dulls pain, but it's so good. When you put a little bit of THC with the CBD, that you can sleep better and your pain is totally, I mean, I have chronic neuropathy, is totally eliminated. And I have to do that tincture every three and a half to four hours to say I have the pain just like you would any other of the prescription drugs that are on the market. Exactly. I mean, again, it's a, yeah. So, so can we want to go back a little bit about your, um, you know, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, a little bit about this about branding. How do you become a trusted person? So how are you working with your, I know there's, you know, there's probably some pushback culturally in your community against cannabis. How do you become, you know, um, how do you become an authority without being, um, not just getting attention for your product, but really becoming sort of a voice of reason or a voice, I mean, obviously you're doing it, but what do you think some um, good ideas are for people and what you've done to manage this issue? Because it, it is well, a big one. I think that I'm the wounded healer. I think that okay. because I'm a walking testimonial to my health and actually the most conservative of our board of supervisors had been a judge previously and he said to me, "How do I how do I change my mind? I've spent 24 years imprisoning young people hmm. for the yeah. use of cannabis." And I said to him, "Judge, you're the same judge that sent my brother to juvenile uh, you know, the ju- juvenile system and then into jail. And I understand, but we were lied to. And I only knew that the first time I took a cannabis capsule and I had it in my freezer for three years. And everybody said, why didn't you try it? I said, I was afraid I wouldn't wake up and take my seven-year-old to school. And so- Too much fear and shame. Too much fear and shame. Shame. And what if I didn't get him to school? And Mm -hmm. so being a mom was the most important thing to me. And I think that my credibility continued to soar as I started getting in front of the population, educating. I went to all the assisted livings. Oh, great. That's a good one. My mother thinks I'm in a drug cartel. She's very excited about me. (laughs) So your mom needs to get online and I need to. I'm often on the show. My mom. (laughs) Well, we have to get her into Health Matters because the local newspapers did a beautiful uh, story on us on Health Matters. And I think education and heightening awareness is the component that we're still going to need for the next five years to be able to get people comfortable with what I'm talking about. It is comfortable because my mother, again, she's been in quarantine for three months. And uh, I've been dropping off different things for her and she's afraid to take them. Mm-hmm. And I've been Sometimes, very careful about dosing. I talk to my nurse friends. I tell her exactly, but she's just very nervous. Yeah, it's hard. We we do. We have a an area where we start people automatically on 2.5 milligrams of THC with a CBD THC. CBD is an antagonist, meaning opposite of THC. If you get too high, too high, you can bring CBD into the equation right. and it will help bring you down. And so I think what happens is until you go out and try it, you have to have the credibility. 
And then people trusted me. And now if it didn't work for them, we take it back and we find what can. Because sometimes, and this is the discouraging part that you may know, because you've tried edibles and, and ingesting it um, and, and in inhalation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I believe that as you try the different delivery methods, you may have to try one or two things to be able to find the science behind your own endocannabinoid system. Exactly. Again, this is a matter of biology. Um, mm-hmm. Some of us have an endocannabinoid deficit. Someday we'll have a test. This will be something we can talk about at some point. Correct. But, you know, it doesn't exist yet. Um, it's not that you're getting high. I hate actually hate that word high. You're, um, it's rebalancing, you know, your life or rebalancing your body. Um, I think that's how I think about cannabis. And that's... And I then Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I call it wellness. This isn't about getting high. This is right. about wellness. Wellness. We, about- we put everybody that walks in the door on 20 milligrams of CBD to start. And then we add from there. Then we layer from there if it's a sleep issue or a pain issue. But everybody starts on 20 milligrams of CBD. So I hope that's helpful to your listening on audience because people say, what do I do? And Where do I start? Hemp, hemp has become the new snake oil. Everybody's making too much money on it and it doesn't have the full spectrum entourage effect that sunlit cannabis has yep and don't ever buy it in the um, car wash car wash <laughs> gas station don't ever buy it in the gas station that's my or like, the car wash right. for that matter or the car wash don't <laughs> buy it in the car wash. all right so yes. you are t- you've talked a little bit about um how you run your business i think you have a very woman-centric um uh, you've said you worked on a man's world for most of your life but i think you have mm-hmm. a woman-centric way of dealing with compassion and collaboration and your community, um, what would you say? I mean, you seem to be running it. What is a gold standard of this industry in terms of, I always say this is a new industry. Women my age and older can get into it. We never get to be part of something new. All the things that were um, my collaboration and trust and all that were not really um, valued when I was an attorney, honestly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they are in this industry. So um, can you just talk a little bit about that? I have an all-female lead. Everyone that works in my store is female, except for my pharmacist. And he came from 40 years of pharmaceutical. And he's been at the local neighborhood pharmacies, like I said, on our peninsula for over 40 years. So he saw the devastation that prescription drugs was creating, especially in our seniors. And so David waited for me nine years to get open and now has left the pharmaceutical business and is working with me. And we help so many people that are on Oxycontin so we can help tritate them off of those drugs as we build them up, as we build them up on what they need to manage their pain. Because that population, that demographic is our most difficult because the pain medications have just ruined the pain transmitters in their body. So they're no longer going to the bathroom. They're no longer eating. They're just really having a hard time existing. And they begin to just start blooming when we see them. It's it's exciting. It is exciting. All right. So we've been talking for a long time. I have to take a break. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Talking, talking, talking to Valencia Valentine of Synchronicity Holistic. We'll be back on the other side. A little talk about California. And that'll be a show, people. All right, so what we're going to talk about today are the My Jane products, and Amy and I um, each got a box, which we are going to be talking about in a minute, but I wanted to say the first thing I noted about the My Jane products, which are really special, these CBD products that are curated by women, for women, and are supporting women businesses, is the beautiful smell. Amy, when's the last time you got a box and you open it up? It was so fragrant. Oh, <laughs> I know. It, it was a lovely, coconutty, vanilla-y, just a lovely scent. It, 
I love it. I have it on my hands right now. I have uh, the Coco Canna Hemp Oil Body Butter. So that's one of the products that's in there. Oh, and that's all one of the products in the box. And there are lots of different. So these are all. They're different products that are curated by my Jane. They had um. Right. So you were you you had the girlfriend box. So it's kind of curated I, yeah, towards like um box. like if you have like a friend you want to give something to a friend or like at a wedding gift yeah something like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday gift. Just a thank you gift. Anyone that's interested in CBD and you know doesn't know what product to get, this is absolutely perfect so what kind of things are in there like how many things do you think maybe six things no there's like 11 or 12 items in there and there's also this gorgeous piece of jewelry so i guess each box gets a different piece of jewelry and it's called uh purpose and purpose so every time you buy a box and you get the jewelry and the proceeds go to this organization that helps women uh, girls uh that were trafficked yeah i mean Yeah. It's so sad. And they make the jewelry. And I just feel like this is such a great way of like helping. You know, and, you get to shop and and, and, it, and within and in the package actually I think there's a, a little note that says the girl or some a connection to the actual girl who you're made the, yes. the jewelry. So it's 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 a nice connection. So it's a it's a high end box. Lovely. The box is very oh. solid. My friend oh my who was gosh. just on said you could probably use the box as a stash box afterwards if that's your thing. I think it's a it's a perfect <laughs> stash stash box. It's absolutely perfect. And we're talking about this a lot. So why don't you yes, go yes. To, in our notes? We you go to the My Jane um, mm-hmm. link in our notes or um, yep. check out their website. And if it's something that you're interested in, you can get a full box. You can get it for yourself. You can get it for a friend. You can get a product within it. So let us yep. know what you think because the Canon Mom Show, we like these products and we want to share them with you. Okay, we are back with Valencia to finish up our discussion about what's going on out there in California with Synchronicity Holistic, a state-of-the-art health and wellness center in California. Um, So she's running this powerful business. She's doing it from a woman-centric perspective. Um, California is a very complicated cannabis state. Um, I know things are changing, maybe, um, and you've been through it from the very beginning. So. What do you think is going to be happening? Can you see some big changes happening after this COVID? Anything changing in the industry that you didn't expect to change out there? Absolutely. I think like any industry, I think that the 80-20 rule is going to apply. I think 20% of us are going to be doing it correctly. I think we've all seen, read, heard about the Canadian coming into the United States. The big companies have been losing $200, 300000000 million in the industry. And I think that my advice to any woman that wants to get into it, and they call, is if you're doing it for the passion of the flower and the actual compassion of mankind and that it's going to help us in our health and the way we interact with the world. I think that's the right reason to get in the business. Ben and Jerry said at one of the conferences in Colorado that if you're doing it to jump in and out and make a quick million, you're doing it for the wrong reason. This is the hardest business I have ever been. And remember, I was one woman in 60 men in commercial real estate. I have never worked 16, 18 hours and made no money. And so it's going to take a while. Um, I've been the angel investor. I've put a lot of money into the local grows when people couldn't get financing. And I'm just the financier at that end. I don't touch the plant. I've just offered opportunities to some of our local players. And some of them are struggling. And Some of them got involved for the wrong reason. Women are compassionate and they want to help. It's, it's the nurture and the nurturer in us as mothers. And when my last child left seven kids later, I thought, who am I and what do I want? Oh yeah. I lived in it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and when we've made our identity as either a wife or, or um, through our children, you know, Deepak taught me, Deepak Chopra taught me meditation. And he used to tell me, just ask yourself, who are you and what do you want? And I think it's a wonderful business for women, especially older women to get involved with, because we feel like we're missing something in our life. And we're not sure how to fill that hole. And I know that my personal happiness is directly related to who I help in the store. I have a woman who got out of bed. She's been dying of cancer. She hadn't been out of bed in three months. She's just started on directive two weeks ago. And her husband came in. They drive from out of town, came in town. I, I ran into him. I didn't know he was coming. And he said, she got up and she sat in her garden for the first time. We cry with them. You see, it's it's so emotionally charged because we're talking about IBS. We're talking about alcoholism. We're talking about drug abuse. We're talking about opiate. I mean, talk about shame. You know, mm-hmm. we were shamed, but my God, what about the opiate user? You know, we had the girls coming in and the niece would come in and say, hey, listen, she's drinking martinis, taking her pills and smoking cigarettes. And I said, how's Auntie doing? She goes, God, now she's vaping and she's doing martinis and she's still doing the opiates. So that's the most difficult demographic that I have to deal with. But you're doing because, it. But, we, but, but again, yeah, you're doing it. And, and the woman, I, it's, it's, it's very hard. I mean, I say this is the hardest business. It's everything is hard about this. And the women I'm talking to, you know, and I'm up front. I went into this because I thought I could make some money. But mm-hmm. I'm an advocate now. <laughs> Me too. But, but the women who came into this, who I've talked to, and I've talked to over 50 women this year, their stories are so powerful, and they are not coming into the industry for the same reason as the men I've been meeting. And I totally agree with you. That's just that's where they are, and they're going to stay in it for the long run because they know how what's going to happen on the other side. They know this is the thing that's going to be transformative. The only ones that will be able to maintain any position in the industry in California is if they are compassionate and they're doing it to help people. The rest of them, I'm watching them turn over. And that's unfortunate. And the bigger they were and the more money they put into it, the faster they're losing it. You know, MedMen was a oh, yeah. opposite end, <laughs> end of the spectrum for me. I know yep. Adam. I was with him in 2014. He was darling. He was a salesman. He was like all the kids that I started with in commercial real estate. But he got greedy. There's no quick way to make money. There's just, you know what? It takes hard work, compassion, and dedication. So for the un- and so- so, sorry, Valentia, for the uninitiated, did, did MedMen fail? Because I, I remember hearing their ads frequently on podcasts and other places. Yes. Oh, you, they yes. went under? Okay. Yeah, they, they, they're struggling. They've, gotten, they've made the two original owners step down. A lot of the investors have taken over, but um, it's really sad. They've had to actually, during the COVID, they had to completely close down mm-hmm. um, many of the stores and then the looting started. So, no, it's a, it's a heartbreaking story to see a company that's that savvy and that brilliant and have that much money behind them come in and out of the market so quickly. You see, when we're in the market, we don't want to see anybody fail. Every story is a success story, how, no matter how big or small. Exactly. But yes, they're, yes, they're failing. And, and I'm sorry to say that because their concept was good. They just grew too fast for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So again, everybody was pulling out big salaries. I don't take a dime out of mine. I put it right back in because I've got to pay the staff. So again, this is a, we are changing the rules. We're running the world now. This is a leader in this world. Thank you so much for Valencia for your time. I know it, uh, I have to go. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. Um, oh, thank you. 
All right. So any last words of wisdom? How do people get in touch with you if they're interested in reaching you? I know that um, well, you're out in California, but are you have any plans for expanding out east? Well, <laughs> I'm pros from what I know it's hard enough when you're in your own local municipality. And yeah. um, I think that probably my parting words are to you and to your listening audience that without education, it's just pot. Exactly. That's beautiful. All right. There we go. All right. It's another hour with the Canna Mom. So thank you again, Valencia, for joining us. Um, I want to thank my, I guess you're my Canna brother now, Dave. Hey. And my Canna sister. <laughs> I hope it sticks. I hope it sticks. <laughs> All right. So for my Canna bro. <laughs> That's cute. David, yes. I like that. I I'll like take that it. I'll take it. All right. I want to thank Josh Lampkin for writing and performing the Canna Mom theme music. Our business team, Kelly Dolan of Retail Results and Laurie Lennon of Think You Better Media. I want to thank our attorney, Kim Kramer of McLean Middleton, and of course, Cannabis Creative Group. But most especially, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging, emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. I'm Joyce Gerber. Please follow us on social media and subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. This is the Canna Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.